0: AEW Double or Nothing 2022 is in the books, and it looks to be, at least from an in-ring standpoint, a pretty successful night for AEW, as well as what they did at the Live Gate, most successful event in AEW history as far as that goes. We know that the pay-per-view numbers that came out were more than the previous years, Double or Nothing, or the year before that, so AEW seems to have done very well for themselves in this pay-per-view, despite A lot of chatter going into the pay-per-view regarding the status of one Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF, and chatter coming out from that story as well as from fans who have mixed feelings about the night's main event, but without further ado, let's just get into talking about the matches one by one. First, let's talk about the pre-show match, Hookhausen. We finally saw it. Dan Housen teamed up with Hook to take on Tony Nees and Smart Mark Sterling. This was a match that I was obviously looking forward to as both a fan of Dan Housen, Hook, Tony Nies, and Smart Mark Sterling. They're all my boys. And I was interested to see how we'd get the smart Mark Sterling involvement in this match. And I thought it was perfect. He came in there. He showed that, you know, he showed a little bit of what he was doing with Tony Neese with the the training. But it ended up just being him taking a lot of the bumps, falling on his butt, which is exactly what he was supposed to do. And look, we saw what a lot of people... I, I still don't get where this misnomer comes from that people don't know whether or not Dan Housen can wrestle. Everyone who Anyone who's seen him on the indies knows that Dan Housen can go when he needs to. He just doesn't need to all the time because he's Dan Housen. He's bigger than than just him as an in-ring performer He's got this his own presence, his own aura, his own package that he has to offer. So he's the gimmick. Like like that's the that's where the money is in Dan Housen. Not necessarily his entering action, but he can go. He's a good pro wrestler. And we also saw Hook obviously in this match for a while. Hook did a lot of the offense from the Hookhausen side of things, obviously, because he is the cold hearted, handsome devil and the son of Taz. A lot of suplexes. Lot of of really getting him over. I I thought a lot of this match was to get hook over as the strongest competitor. Tony niece by the way, has been making some has been making some ways as well. He was in the top five before this match. He's currently in the running to eventually get an AEW World Title shot, which I think he should get. But anyway, let's not. I'm not going to dwell on this. I could talk about these four forever, but I love the structure of the match. And the ending was absolutely perfect. It was comedy at its best. The crowd in Las Vegas was hot for it, and it got everyone— ex- anyone who was watching—that did kind of get excited for the pay-per-view itself. It got everyone in a nice, fun-loving mood. wasn't too over the top, and everybody was over. This was great. Uh, so, match end. Match ended with Danhausen, or sorry, with Hook uh, putting a move on. Uh, Smart Mark Sterling, before he t- tagged in, like, he asked uh, Hook for the tag. Edhausen tags in, comes in, puts his foot on Smart Mark Sterling. One, two, three. Edhausen picks up the victory for H- 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 Hookhausen. Uh And Hook seemed to be fine with it. This is exactly what I thought should have been the ending. I predicted this, and I'm so happy I was right because it was even funnier than I thought it would be. Glad to see this fun, harmless comedy match where the right guy got pinned. And I really do think the right guy pinned uh, the right guy. So hopefully we'll we'll see a little bit more of this with a rivalry budding between Tony Nese and Hook. Uh, that's going to be a great match on a rampage one day, and I can't wait to see it. Moving on to the main card and a little bit of news. So if you have been living under a rock, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to MJF and his status with All Elite Wrestling. I will cover this on Tuesday's podcast. I will cover this in a separate video as well, but the gist of it is is that MJF essentially no-showed a AEW Fan Fest appearance on Saturday, the day before double or nothing. This was not a work because that is not how you do business with the fans. That's not how MJF typically does business when he's working people. It was not a work. Let me be very clear about that. Now, after that, it came out that MJF did so, likely because he is upset with AEW. He's upset with his contract situation. That's no surprise. That's something that's been reported on for a very long time. And there was also talk that he bought a ticket for Saturday night to leave Las Vegas, fly to Newark, which raises some questions because why would he fly out to Newark when he lives in Long Island, even though... Could he Uber or could he have someone pick him up? Sure. But I, I it just seemed weird uh, that then again, it's a red eye the night before. Perhaps he was trying to make a statement to AEW that he can just leave. Perhaps he was frustrated legitimately. Perhaps that it, it kind of was a shoot that they figured out and now they've turned it into work. Who knows? One thing I do know is that when MJF came out for the opening match, we saw a little bit of a tease there. His music played, and he got booed—like booed harder than MJF has ever been booed before. This was earth-shattering. Like you could hear, you could hear the anger in the chants that people were saying. It was crazy. So MJF does a little tease. His music plays, and it was about ten seconds extra. Uh, there were like like a 10-second additional time of him not showing up. To kind of maybe tease, maybe he didn't show up. He comes out, and MJF looks absolutely... he Like, he could not be bothered to show up to this match. Like, he just looked disinterested. Maybe he's leaning into it. Maybe he legitimately feels that way. Maybe it's a little of both. It's pro wrestling, so it's probably the latter. But he comes out. He comes to the ring. They take his robe off. And MJF comes, trolls the fans by doing an airplane motion. Hinting towards the plane ticket story from the night before, and crowd booed the hell out of that. Wardlow meanwhile comes out, no music, security in hand, loud Wardlow chance, loud your uh, loud chants of "F him up, Wardlow, F him up," and this match he did get effed up. MJF did a little bit of you know shenanigans, poked Wardlow in the eye, went out of the ring, and basically was on the chase for or was getting chased for a long time, but. Eventually, the war dog got to him, and when he did, it was not one, not two, not three, not four, not five. Not six, not seven, not eight, not nine, but 10, 10, ten. Ten power bombs. with the crowd around him erupting. Wardlow just absolutely smashing MJF against the mat. Every, and everyone in the building loved it. This was exactly what it needed to be. Anyone who says that this was a purposeful burial of MJF has not been watching the television show because whether or not MJF is happy has nothing to do with it. This is how this match more or less should have went with Wardlow going over as strong as po- as humanly possible and MJF being a coward. That has been the story this entire time. It's not changing because... Someone's unhappy or, or there's contractual problems. No. This is how this match should have gone. I hope that MJF and, and t- Tony Khan work things out because MJF is an immense talent and AEW would really have a tough time filling his shoes. Like, he's the best deal in pro wrestling. Um, but we'll find out. MJF got stretchered out. Uh, it was really funny as uh, the doctor, instead of putting the oxygen mask over his nose and mouth just kind of doesn't look at him and puts the oxygen mask on his nose and eyes, like covering his eyes because he's a heel. Everyone hates MJF. They don't care about him. Uh, MJF, he's getting structured out, flips off the fans. And there's two ways to uh, read into it, and I'll cover this more later this week. But there's two ways to read into it. One, you could see this as MJF kind of leaving the territory, for lack of a better term. Like that's how you go out when you leave a territory. You go out, getting stretchered out, getting written off essentially. Which I, I think this is because it was later uh, found out by Sean Rossap that MJF texted him and said that he's got a lot to think about, and saluting to the fact that he's probably going to be off TV for a while, and we'll see what happens with that. But fun way to kick off the show, regardless. It this was the match that a lot of people, most people, were interested in. I, I'd argue, and at the end, word low, Got that Wardlow is all elite graphic. There was there were tears in his eyes as Tony Schiavone announced that Wardlow had been signed to AEW in storyline. He's obviously signed to AEW, but in storyline, uh, was, there was tears. The fans were chanting, "You deserve it," and he was obviously thanking the fans. It was great. It was a great moment. Exactly what it needed to be. Fun way to open up this show. Another fun thing that happened on this show was the Hardys versus the Young Bucks. Now, before I say what I'm going to say, this was nowhere near as good, honestly, as their matches from Ring of Honor before. I like the callback to Ring of Honor, though. They had had the Ring of Honor announcer, uh, Caprice Coleman, on on commentary for this match. And by the way, like the... The Young Bucks came out dressed as Elvis Impersonators with uh, Super Kick Party being performed as Viva Las Vegas. Super Kick Party. It was, oh, I I love the Young Bucks. Like, anyone who says they don't get their gimmick, their gimmick is that they are trolls. They are pro wrestling trolls. That is it. And that is so much fun because there's so much you can do with that. Anyway, Hardy's Young Bucks a little bit of a slow start to this match. Honestly, I had a hard time getting into it initially. Hardy took a lot of the bumps. Hardy took Hardy took a lot of the the the, the offense honestly in this match. And it's weird because it kind of did look like the Hardys maybe lost a step a little bit. I just I I mean, they're they're older. Like it's fine. I'm not I'm not judging them like oh, they're too old to wrestle. No, they they can still go, but it's definitely not the same as it was even just four years ago so is what it is though we saw a massive super kicks the Hardys were just taking super kick after super kick after super kick they were on their knees begging for the young bucks to hit them again they did one two no the Hardy's kicked out they fired up and the last few minutes of this match I thought were actually really good um when they and when when kind when they recovered after that it really got into a good flow uh and the Hardys just kind of basically no sold the rest of the match. Uh, I thought it was inconsistent, but fun. Hardys picked up the victory, but I really do think that the second half of this match was was the part you really need to watch back if you're ever gonna watch it back. It's really hard to get into when you when you start from the beginning, honestly, because I just don't think the chemistry was there initially. But they got into it. I love I love the way that. The crowd was into it too because, again, sometimes when you have a match that might not be elite, like like this is still a good match. It might not be elite, but the crowd makes it better and and, and gives it that extra energy. Love to see that. Um, it, there were a few high spots as well. Jeff launched himself off the top rope with a swanton bomb onto Nick Jackson, like uh, who was on the ring steps, and it was it was crazy. Like, like this match was. It, it was a tale of two halves, but the second half was really great. Hardys pick up the victory in this one, which kind of continues that feud of, or, or that, that, that trivia, or and trivia is, is a weird word, but you know, it continues the theme that the Hard, the, that the Young Bucks can't beat the Hardys. There we go. That's what I was trying to say. Moving on, TBS championship match Anna Jay versus Jade Cargill. I'm not even going to pretend that. I liked this match. I love Anna J. I love Jade Cargill. I think Jade Cargill is going to be the definitely the top uh female wrestler in AEW one day, if not if she's not there already, but potentially the top wrestler in AEW, period. That's how highly I think of her. And she she's a needle mover. The ratings, uh the, the ratings, the notoriety, the the newsworthiness of her, like Everything tells you that she's a needle mover. And they've had a match before, Anna Jay and Jake Cargo, and it was a lot better than this. I just did not think that this match was the best that they could do, and I I, I have a feeling that they would probably agree watching it back. But the story of this match really wasn't the match itself. It was what happened after. uh... So during the match, Smart Mark Sterling comes out and... Try. He comes out with a crutch because he obviously took a lot of the offense in the opening pre-show match. He comes out with a crutch, neck neck brace on, distracts the ref, throws the crutch into the ring, but Anna Jay gets it before Jade Cargo can and hits Jade Cargo with it. After a little bit, both women are on the top rope, and we see the former Malcolm, B- the former malcolm bivens come out uh which uh was absolutely crazy guys like it was absolutely crazy um stokely hathaway is his name by the way uh in in on the end or was his name on the indies and is now his name there but a lot of wwe fans will know him as as uh malcolm bivens anyway stokely hathaway comes out unexpected big uh, surprise one day after his 90-day no compete with wwe's up which is awesome legal Can't sue him, him, WWE. Uh, That distracted Anna Jay, and Jade Cargill was able to hit her move from the top rope. One, two, three. Retain her TBS title. The baddies and Stokely Hathaway were celebrating with Cargill. Smiles on their faces. And as it looked like they were setting up for a three-on-one assault on Anna Jay, Chris Statlander comes out. And Statlander is defending her friend, but also has a huge smile on her face. And we're wondering, why? Why is Stat so happy? What's about to happen? Maybe she's about to turn. That's what I thought. But no. We see the debut of the fallen goddess Athena, formerly known as Ember Moon in AEW. Athena, perhaps the best ring general out there uh, who's a free agent. Definitely the best ring general, I think, uh, out there uh, that, that was a free agent. But one of the best ring generals in WWE, in in pro wrestling. I I thought this was great. Uh, The match, you could argue, was more of a segment that is going to lead to more great matches down the line. Definitely a six uh, person tag team match uh, on, probably, maybe, maybe we'll even get that this week on Dynamite. I'm not sure what the card is yet for the forum show in LA, but Athena being all elite is a huge deal. As well as Stokely Hathaway. They're probably going to... Jade Cargo is probably going to move away from Mark Sterling. Is definitely going to move away from Mark Sterling being her full-time manager. And Stokely Hathaway. I think Stokely Hathaway is great mouthpiece for her. And it's just going to get better from here. It's just going to get better from here. But the match itself was what it was. Uh, anyway, moving on. Death Triangle versus the House of Black for the 80th time. Look. It is... Extremely difficult for these six competitors to have a bad match with each other. The spots were all great. They were all over. The crowd was hot. Pac was like like Pac is just. I I think Pac like needs to go back to being solo eventually. Maybe he'll he'll turn heel on uh, Penta and Ray Phoenix. But I just think he's like he should be a world champion soon. He definitely should be a world champion soon. Like, he's so good. I think it's, he's actually like someone in AEW, I would say, is actually criminally underutilized to his full potential. Anyway, the match was go back and watch it. It was just, it was a a fun time. Um, Hook, in the end, Hook set up for the black arrow, but then the lights go out, and then out comes. Satnam Singh! No, no, it was not sing. Singh. Uh, no, lights go out. Ready now. Julia Hart spraying mist in the eyes of Pac when the lights come back on, aligning herself with the heels, finally joining the House of Black. Julia Blackheart, whatever you want to call her. It paid off the storyline that has been building since, basically, what was it, the Christmas episode of AEW Dynamite when Julia Blackheart, or Julia Hart got blinded by the black mist of Malachi Black. it Here's the thing. I still think that holding it off for so long was a mistake. They definitely could have done this. They could have done this at Revolution because they had the exact same match without Ray Phoenix. Like it, without, it, was, it wasn't Ray Phoenix. It was uh, Eric Redbeard in place of him because Ray Phoenix was out with an injury. But they could have done a similar thing because Ray Phoenix wasn't the guy in the spot. It was always going to be the bastard Pac. So I don't know why they held off, whatever. Like, I still think they held off for too long. That is the critique. But in the end, the moment was great. The moment of Julia Hart finally turning heel and and paying off the storyline was great. The match was amazing. Bell to bell, like, This was up there as far as one of the top matches tonight. And unexpectedly so because we'd seen this like 80 times. Anyway, moving on. By the way, House of Black picked up the victory. I, I feel like I already said that, but just so you know. Moving on, the first of our two Owen Hart Foundation finals. We had the ROH TV champion Samoa Joe taking on Adam Cole, baby. Men's side of the tournament. It was not great. Not as great as Samoa Joe and Adam Cole should be. I thought that the match kind of was, the layout was kind of predictable. The structure, like the structure was obviously predictable. I just said that. But just, just it didn't seem to have the heat of uh, an Adam Cole and Samoa Joe match. It started off like like the crowd was into it. I just think they lost them at a certain point. And I, I don't know. I just didn't. I just didn't like it. Uh, you know, like they, there was so much more. I feel like they could have done. It was just kind of like the old Fish and O'Reilly coming in. Oh my God, distracting Samoa Joe. He lowered the boom. One, two, three. Cool. Like that's fine. And it's great, Adam Cole. Like Adam Cole was supposed to win. I understand. I just feel like this could have been a much more compelling match. And and both of these competitors are are better than what they were and what they showed. Uh, on Double or Nothing. We've gone to another match that I have a very hot take about. This was wrong. I love Dr. Britt Baker DMD. I love Dr. Britt Baker DMD. She is the best talker in the women's division AEW. She is arguably the best talker in AEW, period. She's, one, she's the best. She's great. She, she's the all-around total package. But, at a certain point, you're you got to get someone over. You got to get someone other than Britt Baker, DMD, and Jade Cargill over. This was a tournament where you had a chance to give someone who might not be as well showcased, who might not be as well accomplished in their time in AEW, a chance. Give them something relevant. Give them something to tout. Give them something to make the fans care. And I think they got this wrong. This victory highlighted one of the biggest problems, I think, that lies in the AEW women's division. I genuinely don't think that there was more thought put into this other than Adam Cole and Britt Baker. Couples. Oh, and Hart Cup winners. Boom. Let's do it. And that is not saying that they don't deserve it. That is not like they that is not saying that they don't deserve it. It's just when is it gonna be someone else's time? When are we gonna have Ruby Soho do something? Ruby Soho debuted at AEW All Out, which is one of the biggest reactions of the entire night, counting Brian Danielson's uh, debut, counting Adam Cole's debut. People were hyped. They knew she was gonna be the joker, they knew she was gonna be there. And okay, Britt Baker gets another signature win. Britt Baker gets another thing to tout. What's next? What is next? What's next for Ruby Soho? She jobbed out to Baker in the for the AEW Women's Title. She jobbed out for the TBS title, and she jo- okay jobbed out. I'm not gonna use the word jobbed out. That was a mistake. I apologize, but. She lost in that. She lost in the TBS tournament. She lost in this tournament in the final. Unless you're going to tell the story that Ruby Soho can't win the big match. If that's the main goal, if that's the end goal, I see it. Don't necessarily think that's the best way to go. I see it. But if that's not the end goal here to eventually get her that big win, whether it's the TBS title, she wins over Jade Cargill, or the world title, this is the wrong decision. And even then... I still think Ruby Soho should have won tonight. Or at double or nothing. This is being recorded like a day after. Ruby lost clean. She, and, and it wasn't even like a thing where the Jamie Hader and and Reba came in to distract Ruby Soho. She just lost. That's fine. Like, it's not fine, but it's fine. Whatever. I will say this much. After this, Mar- Dr. Martha Hart came out and gave a great speech uh, afterwards, and and talked about how much the fans meant to Owen and his legacy, the foundation's work, and and all that. I thought that was great. Definitely go check it out. Like it, it was a great moment, regardless, because you're celebrating. At the end of the day, it was about celebrating Owen being back in pro wrestling, being back a part of the wrestling family, and you can't hate on that. You obviously can't, um, but you can critique the booking of the final, which I think a lot of people will do. Moving on, six-person tag team, mixed tag team match, I should say. It was my boy, all league Ethan Page, AEW TNT champion Scorpio Sky, and the debuting Paige Van Zant taking on Sammy, Sammy Guevara, Frankie Kazarian, and Ty Conti. All right. I'm not going to lie to you. As a match, eh. This match, like, like uh, technically, okay, whatever. This match was fun to watch for me. A lot of people will disagree. I know Ty- Sammy and Ty Conti have go-away heat for me. But I think this match kind of, like, in- encapsulated that and, and and used that, I should say, in the best way that they possibly could. I love the, the just Sammy's delusional. Like, he's just making out, like, they, he was literally just making out. With Ty Conti on the ring apron, rather than going for the tag to help out his tag team partner, it was amazing. Uh, like it was amazing heat, and and Frankie Kazarian was just getting progressively more and more pissed. And by the way, I I want this to be said. I I feel like it's lost in all of this. Like we have a, a lot of great wrestlers in AEW. Frankie Kazarian's a really, really, really good wrestler. Like, really, really good. And I think people forget that. I just want to shout that out. Like, he's so good in the ring. Like, it's... Give that man a title shot. um, Please, again. But it was great. Um, th- That was great. I, I liked the, 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 the dynamic that was developing between Sammy Guevara and Frankie Kazarian. I thought that it was appropriate that Frankie was just getting progressively more and more annoyed as Sammy was just getting distracted in this match. Scorpio Sky was good. Paige Van Zandt was the person that everyone had their eye on. In the in the few minutes that she and Ty Conti went head-to-head, I thought she did fairly well. I really did think she did fairly well. The music, by the way, big shout-out to Righteous Reg of Grabsity Podcast for, for getting that. Um, was good. Um, and I think Scorpio Sky looked really, really good in this match. He came out looking the most impressive out of everyone in this bunch and and... I love that. He's a TNT champion. He's just got a new belt. They're going to LA on on Sunday or on Wednesday. He should be a focal point, if not the focal point of this match. But throughout the match, as I said, Frankie Kazarian and Sammy Guevara were arguing. At one point, Frankie left Sammy for dead. Like, Sammy was going for the tag. Frankie leaps off the apron because he's just annoyed with all the antics. Like, says, I'm done. I'm done wasn't done. He just kind of like said, I'm not helping you here. Sammy gets his butt whooped. Frankie comes back into the ring and he hits a cutter on Scorpio Sky, at which point Ty Conti comes out, starts berating Frankie Kazarian. And as Frankie Kazarian just kind of blows it off, turns around almost into a super kick from Sammy Guevara. But Frankie ducks at the last second. Ty Conti gets hit with a super kick. It's a work. She took it like a champ. Sammy looked absolutely devastated. Um, oh, it it was it was great drama. Um, like it was good. Like here's the thing: I know there's going to be people who have a problem with this on a five hour pay per view. It it like if this was your pee break match, if this was a match where you just left your seat and get, went to do something else or, or went to go get food at your house, yeah, okay, that's fine. I still enjoyed this, and maybe it's just because I'm a mark for everyone involved, but it, it was great. I thought again, Paige Van Zandt, I think did very well, uh, and trajectory for her, who knows what it could be? I think she could be a big superstar. But love the fact that we're. I, I like the fact that they included this. Like it, it was a fun moment, and it kind of was a break in between some some hard hitting matches. Speaking of hard hitting matches, let's talk about. This. Unsung Heroes of the Night. A match that literally had no reason to happen. Just happened because Darby Allin, great wrestler. Kyle O'Reilly, great wrestler. Go out there and see who wins. I wasn't expecting to like this match as much as I did. Genuinely. Was not expecting to like this match as much as I did. Darby Allin, by the way, I talk about his crumple physics being just beyond Jeff Hardy's level of crumple physics. Like, I've never seen someone's body just kind of like crumple up contort the way his can when he's flying through the air there was one spot where he he tried to go for a suicide dive on the outside and darby just kind of hit, like I, I forgot what happened what was it was like i think his he was going for the suicide dive and his i think his foot hit the bottom rope which kind of made him almost cartwheel into Kyle O'Reilly on the outside and it, it looked so cool cuz it happened so fast um, like the the crowd loved it they obviously love these two people and and it was it was just great it, this was great Kyle O'Reilly by the way people forget to. he's another guy really good wrestler Darby Allen was throwing his body all over the place O'Reilly was really was really focused on on striking in this, which I think was a good dynamic between the high flyer and the, and more so the striker and O'Reilly. Um, but I thought this was great. I think these two put on a match that didn't really need to happen, but if you watched it, you're kind of like, I'm glad that did. I'm glad that did. And and I don't think and Darby Allen didn't look weak in losing it. By the way, he he lost it um after, um after O'Reilly uh, uh, pinned him one two three. But I don't think either man looked really weak in this. I thought it was just good. It was a good match. And again, worst case scenario, if you went to go do something, it didn't have stakes, so it didn't matter too much. But when this is the only match with really no stakes on the card or, or no storyline reason for happening, that's fine. Like, one match, fine. On, on a five-hour card, that's fine. Moving on, World Championship time, AEW World Women's Women's World Championship Thunder Rosa, the champion, defending against my girl, Serena Deeb, who I knew was going to lose the second she sold a belt. Like, you never steal a belt on TV weeks before a title match and expect to win. It, it never happens. Again, so with this match, I would say the, the first maybe like minute, minute or two, I, I was getting concerned that, oh, okay, maybe this is just going to peter out into a whatever match. Yep. Proves how how wrong I can be. Uh, Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa. There's a reason they're they're wrestling for the title belts, and it's because they're also very good. Uh, I loved that Deeb in the beginning, like like in the very beginning, Serena Deeb was kind of outclassing Thunder Rosa in the ring as far as the story went, and I like that part of the story. She was out wrestling her. There's a lot of mat faced focus, and and Rosa was was basically being controlled and taking the offense and being on the defensive for a while in that match. And I loved it. Storina Deeb was, was just relentless in the beginning of this. And then Thunder Rose kind of turned things around, giving her a big headbutt, delivering a superplex, a suplex uh, for the a superplex for the win. I, I thought it was great. Fire Thunder drive or Thunder fire driver as well for the win. Go watch this match. Genuinely go watch this match. I cannot doing it justice. I know that in this review. Go watch this match. Serena Deeb might be the best technical wrestler. Brian Danielson. I forgot. That's my boy. Outside of Brian Danielson, Serena Deeb might be the best technical wrestler in the world. And Thunder Rosa ain't too far behind. These two put on a clinic in this match. The crowd erupted in a way that I don't think they have in a women's world title match, genuinely in a women's world title match in a while. Perhaps even back to the previous double or nothing with, with Hikaru Shida and Dr. Britt Baker DMD. It's a really good thing. These two women deserved it. And yeah, Thunder Rosa retains, but Serena Deeb still looks like a badass. Uh, go watch this match. Cannot do it justice enough. Okay, another match I'm going to have a hard time explaining Anarchy in the Arena. Okay. If you have not seen Anarchy in the Arena, stop this video right now. Genuinely stop it, go watch it. Come back timestamp 3002. Look. I I I'll, I'll just I'll just get into it. I loved every second of this. And like literally every second of it. It was not wrestling. What what I saw it was this was this was just car crash sports entertainment at its finest. And I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Because wrestling does involve sports entertainment. These two things can overlap and they can be good. And this is the prime example Blackpool Combat Club, Santana, Ortiz, Eddie Kingston, and the JAS. J.A.S. come out first. Chris Jericho plays his whole song. And then we see all members of the Blackpool Combat Club as well as Santana Ortiz and Eddie Kingston come out into the crowd with John Moxley's music playing. Wild thing bursting through the T-Mobile arena. And then J.A.S. says, let's go. The Jericho Appreciation Society goes into the crowd after them. They're all in different parts of the crowd, too. The visual of all of them coming out it was kind of like. It was kind of like actually like a little bit of the shield thing, but they' were in different places. I thought it was a, I thought that was really cool, but so they all spread out in the fans. They are fighting amongst the fans. and it is Mayhem. It is Bedlam. And all the while, wild thing is still playing. It's like an ECW when New Jack's theme was still playing throughout his entire match. And this went on for minutes. The song ended. And it came back on and the fans erupted for it. And they were singing through the whole thing as all 10 of these men are beating the ever living God out of each other. Big shout out to Matt Menard, who he's not just going to need a doctor. He he didn't just need a doctor when this match was done. Someone get him some plasma. The amount of blood he lost in the first like minute of this match was crazy. So big shout out to him. We had many great spots. Jericho running away. Uh, there was a spot where, where Jericho, like this was like the song was still playing, and Chris Jericho and John Moxley were fighting near the the uh, the audio desk at at, at at the cam at the hard cam side of things, and Jericho just being the angry heel that he is. Takes the soundboard, unplugs it, and the music stops, and you just hear booze and Jericho's loving every second of it. Uh, Moxley took a fork and rammed it into the face of Matt Menard. We had a pile driver from... Uh, from Danny Garcia onto, I believe, Santana onto a steel steps, onto the steel steps. Uh, backstage, Matt Menard, by the way, was bloody all over. I've said that eight times, but it's true. He it was bloody all over. Him and Eddie Kingston are fighting backstage. And Eddie Kingston just takes some mustard and throws it onto Matt Menard. <laughs> like, and there's fans everywhere. Like, they go out into the fans again. It was, it was nuts. I cannot explain every great spot in this match without, without just. Do not doing it justice again. You have to. If there's one match you go back and you watch on this pay per view just for fun, it is this match. Like I watched it back like at least two times in the past 24 hours. It's so great. Anyway, finish of the match, we see Moxley and Danielson kind of have have Jake Hager and Chris Jericho on the ropes. Moxley had Hager out, and then Danielson had Chris Jericho in the label lock. In the ring. It looked like he was going to win with a tap out. But then Eddie Kingston comes out with a can of gasoline. Now remember, Eddie Kingston was a person who was burned by Chris Jericho. The wizard Chris Jericho in the eye just a few weeks ago on AEW Dynamite. So, And Eddie Kingston cut an impassioned promo on the Countdown show as well about how Chris Jericho has made him go to a dark place that he didn't want to go to. And really great promo by Eddie Kingston, by the way. Anyway, he comes out with a can of gasoline. And as Danielson has Jericho in the lapel lock, he pours the gasoline on both Danielson and Jericho. And obviously, the target was Jericho in this, but Danielson was kind of like, you know, friendly fire or just in the way at the time. And Danielson's pissed because he's like, what are you doing pulling gasoline on me? So he pushes uh, Eddie Kingston. Kingston, angry, just tackles Brian Danielson. They're fighting. Moxley's forced to push uh, Eddie Kingston away which the dissension allowed Jake Hager to come back in uh, and, and, and Jericho to recover. Jericho hits a Judas effect on Eddie Kingston, takes him out. Hager, shoulder tackle on to, oh, to Moxley, who landed onto a table, which had another, like, bo- a board with barbed wire on it. Moxley was out of it after that. He lost a lot of blood, too. Anyway, so it was Danielson at the end. They were working on the leg of Danielson where Hager and Jericho and poor Danielson went out strong as could be, but man, he went out Uh half crab on the in- already injured left leg of Danielson, as well as being choked by the ring rope. Like, cause, cause I forgot to mention this Adam uh, Ambrose, Ambrose uh, John Moxley, I should say, uh, unbuckled the first ring rope. So all the ring ropes were just wild in the ring, laying around. And Danielson passed out. Jericho Appreciation society won. Fun match. Fun match. Going to lead to some really interesting promos and maybe even some great matches between Eddie Kingston and Bryan Danielson. But I really do hope that we end up with a blood and guts match between these two teams. Because this that that would be... Perfection. Moving on. AEW World Tag Team Championships. The defending champions, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, defending against Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, as well as the team of Ricky Stalks and powerhouse Will Hobbs. Action was fast and furious. I thought that the team that really stood out to me in this match was Keith Lee and and, and, uh, Swerve Strickland. I I was rooting for Ricky Starks and powerhouse Will Hobbs, but it really was like Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, Swerve Strickland, especially I am. He's going to be a world champion one day. And if he's not, it's because someone someone did something wrong. Like not him. Someone else did something wrong. That's the only reason that he's not going to be a world champion in some professional company one day. Um, uh, Jungle Boy obviously did his thing. Jungle Boy just continues to show why he should be, I think, a singles competitor at some point, and why I think he might be the one to turn heel on Christian Cage, and not the other way around. Uh, Jurassic Express overcame both these teams to to win. The again, a lot of people were there were a lot of people in this match. All these teams did great. There was one spot where I thought that Keith Lee Swerve had it, like they like they hit like Swerve hit his double foot stomp. I thought it was over, ah, but then they kicked out, and in the end, Jungle Boy hit his move, Uh and they they were able to win the match. Um, I will say this: I was looking forward to Jungle Boy Lucha Swords losing these titles because I kind of want them to move on and and maybe have Jungle Boy be a singles competitor, but. Not in the cards right now. I also just wanted to see Ricky stalks be a real champion. Put some real gold around that waist, people. Speaking of gold around people's waist, the main event, the AEW World Men's World Championship. Hangman Adam Page, the world champion, defending against CM Punk. Okay. A lot of talking about this match. Spoiler alert, CM Punk won. Another spoiler alert. It's not the end of the world, and this made sense, both business sense, storyline sense. I'll get to why in a second. This is a good match. It's a really good match, and I think the crowd was hyped for it. Hangman Adam Page had a fire under him that I have not seen in a in, in a match, and he's 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 performing better than well he's performed he's excelled at almost every defense he's had i like i like this is my favorite out of all his defenses because he had that fire throughout the match it just seemed like a different gear um so let's talk about the finishing spot because that's really what everyone's going to talk about and what everyone wants to talk about finishing spot saw cm punk sorry so cm punk reverse a buckshot lariat into a GTS attempt, but he was struggling to get him down for the GTS. He ended up spinning him around, hitting the referee. Referee's down, and Page ends up hitting the buckshot. Referee's still down, but Adam Page, with a second of with a second of hesitation, looks over, sees the AEW World Championship, and he takes it—the very title. That Adam Page swore to defend from CM Punk. The very title that Adam Page worked his entire time in AEW. Like almost two years, two and a half years. To finally attain a full gear 2021. Adam Page. Title in hand. Crisis of conscience, you could say. Thinks about hitting CM Punk. CM Punk looks up at him. Begs him not to. Referee still down. The hesitation. Ends up costing Page. He throws the title down because that's not the millennial badass cowboy that Adam Page is. But it didn't stop CM Punk from picking him up for a GTS. Hitting it. Referee comes to life. One, two, three. And new. All Elite Wrestling World's Heavyweight Champion. CM Punk. All right. Let me explain why this is this is a good thing for AEW, both business-wise and storyline-wise. Business-wise, he is arguably—I'd say inarguably, but I'll say arguably for your sake—the most—the the person in AEW with the most name recognition, mainstream— the heart of, like he, he will bring over fans he's already shown to do that he's had a direct impact on the business no matter what eric bischoff says because eric bischoff sure knows what he's talking about when it talks about running a wrestling business right right into the ground um anyway no seriousness cm punk this was a decision that was great for business because you're gonna have a hot summer a wet hot americans uh straight edge summer with cm punk uh summer punk 3.0 is upon us and it's great Business wise, because he's the big he is the biggest star, having the biggest belt, putting the spotlight on him and the company. It's going to be better for the company in the long run. And also, just putting this out there, are you telling me you don't want to see a summer of punk? After seven years, CM Punk returns to pro wrestling and he wins this. Look, it's gonna be three months. I am I think CM Punk is going to lose it all out, and he should lose it all out. I think it should be to MJF, but we'll get to that another time because it looks like maybe that's not going to happen. Maybe MJF is done. We'll talk about that on the podcast tomorrow. But um, in the end, I think this was the right decision. I liked it. I liked the match. I thought, again, it had a few different years, but the ending was just about – it was honestly – it's honestly the most honorable way Hangman could lose the title in the to CM Punk, which is – his own conscious cost him that. And that's like the, you build, you continue the story of the struggling, self conscious millennial cowboy. And I promise you this Hangman Adam Page will be AEW world champion again. He will be the first ever two time AEW world champion. Mark my words on that. All in all, most successful AEW double or nothing uh, ever, at least commercially uh they sold they sold more pay-per-views that pay-per-view buys than they did for any of the double or nothings uh before that as far as ranking them i would still put the first double or nothing ahead of this one i think this was one of aews like in ring wise i thought it was a great pay-per-view i thought it was a great pay-per-view in ring wise like there were like the the jade cargo match i thought was like you know iffy um the what was the other match i thought that was iffy Cause again also there. 13 matches on this card. So it was, it was a long time on uh, the Owen Hart matches, obviously as well, but there was a lot of good on this too. Like there was a lot of good uh, overall out of 10, I will give AEW double or nothing 2022 eight stars. I'm not do I'm not in the business of giving people oh, 8.2 stars. No, eight out of 10 B to B plus. I think they it could have done better in a lot of places, but in the end, Most of the right results, um, and really a lot of good in-ring action. Let me know what you guys thought about AEW Double or Nothing, though, in the comment section below. Hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Until next time, I'm Emre for Real Take Wrestling. Keep it real.